0: i better let it go What you say about it? Looks like another love TKO oh, 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 oh Yes I think i better let it go Let it go baby Oh baby Looks like another love TKO I'm mm. oh, Michael Mellon. welcome to this week's episode of the Wodecast Joined as ever My sister from another mister, it's G from TV.
1: What up, what's going on?
0: Well, I have to say, off air we were talking about tea and I'm still... I can't get my head around it because that means that that tea that you have in front of you now hasn't got any biscuits, hasn't got any crumpets. You told me off air you're making tea and I just... I'm fixated on this one item. I know I need to get past it. I know I need to move on. But I just cannot believe that you have not had tea and biscuits or tea and crumpets. I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) I simply told you
1: that I needed just, we can't record yet because I'm making tea. And you turned it into this ceremonial biscuit shit. And as an American, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know any of that. I don't know about the crumpets, the biscuits, the trinkets, none of it. But it's it it looks really cool in the movies though. I will say that.
0: How about Do how you cream tea and 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 how about how about cream tea? Yeah, I've seen some folks at work right. put some
1: cream in their tea. Yeah. But I mean it's not like ceremonial like we either um put like water in the carrig and then we hit a button and it makes hot water and we dump a tea bag in there and then we go back to our miserable jobs and we drink tea like it's not ceremonial it's there's no biscuits for the tea in the in the break room and shit like (laughs) it doesn't work like that here
0: wow wow (laughs) like I say I'm gonna move off this but tell me tell me that at least there's an aspiration to buy a teapot at the very least a, t- a what? A teapot. You
1: sound like somebody, old Haitian mother, like, make it, make it in the pot, make it in the pot. No, I do not have a teapot, sir.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to move on now because I need to get this fixated idea out of my head that, you know, you're, <laughs> you're seeing it you your dry tea with no biscuits. <laughs> yeah, it's bootleg, I'm sure to you. Delicious.
1: But, mm-hmm.
0: Oh, man! Speaking of delicious, UFC Vegas 4 And this is the last set of fights that uh, went down at the apex Before the much publicised Fight Island took place over the weekend Now, the Fight Island series commences on July the 11th But man, man Last night, I have to say, on paper, again Didn't look like much, but I really felt you delivered How about you?
1: Oh, I enjoyed it, and I was just like you, Mike, on, on paper, and when I first saw the fight announcement, I was like, mm, yeah, this yeah. yeah, like, I'll watch, but damn, you know, but then Quiet as Kept, I was uh, pretty much entertained by this card, especially the, the prelims, and our main event was uh, something else, but we'll get to that, Mike, mm. we'll definitely Be- get
0: to it. Speaking of which, okay, we're going to break down UFC Vegas 4, but as well as that, We'll be taking a few of your listener questions as well. So, first off, I have to say, Kay Hansen. Um, okay, we're not going to run through every single matchup, but I'm just going to talk about the notables, which really floated my boat. Kay Hansen versus Yan Yufrey. Um, strawweight matchup. Now, I didn't know this, but Yan Yufrey. Um, I do believe is an ex-atomweight champ, and um, Kay Hansen has had a fair share, I mean, you can call her an Invicta vet, even though she's only 20, she's had 9 fights in Invicta. Now to be honest with you, I don't know if you agree with me here, but she looked hella green going into this, she looked, considering where she's come from, and that is 9 fights in Invicta, she looked very, very green. And I don't know who it was. It must have been Nostradamus or Uri Geller or some kind of psychic put a bet on her. $37,000 bet was actually placed on her to win. Now, when you do the maths on that, someone actually pocketed $20,000 after that wager because she came up trumps. And I have to say, there was no one more shocked than me when you know, A.K. Hansen locked in that armbar.
1: Oh, Yeah. I, I thought it was a gorgeous armbar but I wasn't really surprised because um, really? Kay Hansen is a, no, she's a 10th planet jiu girl.
0: Frey herself, she looked the part, like you know, touching up um, Kay Hansen's calves. I have to say, she looked, her stance was kind of awkward. It looked as though she was, you know, really unsteady on her feet because every single time that, that um, Frey touched their calves, she was, looked like she was about to topple over. But you know, her being a last-minute signing, let's just also acknowledge that. The fact is, Kay Hansen came into this late in the game. <clears throat> this isn't something that she'd been drilling, training and um, preparing for. This kind of like came out of the blue. There seems to be a lot of last-minute signings. I mean, like, what's, your, what's your whole take on these people who are actually coming in at the last minute?
1: I think it's because of the uh, pandemic Olympics going on right now. I think you know, <laughs> um, the UFC has their back against the wall, and they got to do what they got to do, and that's why you're going to see mm. like late, um, what's it called when you sign somebody late? What did you call it again? Like a late, 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 ref- late replacement. Late replacement. You're going to see that, and you're mm. also going to see late replacements in regards to fight replacements, like we saw um, Julian. Um, Rosa replaced somebody real quick yeah. in his fight. So, because of the pandemic and just having so many limitations, you're gonna have you're gonna see that, Mike. And it's only, I, I truly believe it's because of the circumstances going on right now in the world.
0: Now, I mean, looking at Kay Hansen's performance, am I speaking out of turn in saying that she looked really, really green on her feet?
1: I thought she did look green on her feet, but I just was like. She's really good on the ground, so all she has to do is kind of mm. get it there, and she's going to shine. Because she is um, from 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. She's got a whole bunch of experience in Invicta. Most of her wins are by decision. So I wasn't too shocked that um, Frey um, Fre was catching her. And Frey looked good. Her hands were nice. She had uh, she got Hanson's timing very quickly. She was countering beautifully. Yeah. And then, mm. you know, Hanson yoked her up in a clinch and was able to take her down. And you saw what happened from there. She didn't look too green on the ground, did she?
0: Yeah, it, yeah that, is, that is very, very true. And that armbar was, looked, looked painful. You could see, like, the look on um face. Should I tap? Should I tap? And her hand was kind of, like, hovering over and then... You know that looked as though that was excruciating.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it looked pretty bad. But and Michael Bisping was right; mm. like she did have like a calm tap. But I think the reason why she tapped like that is because the the transition from triangle to um, yeah. our triangle was flawless and high level. Sweet, yes. yeah. And mm. not only that, after the fight, I was you know perusing online and also listening to post fight interviews. She's a huge fan of. Ronda Rousey, and what a debut mm. to make, and what a statement to make! Like I'm such a huge fan of somebody, I'm just gonna armbar someone, just like you know someone that I admire would. And I thought that was hella cute, and it was a cute debut. And Ronda acknowledged her and tweeted her.
0: Yeah, I saw that nice armbar she tweeted. Yes,
1: I thought that was so cute, and just kind of, I th- I can see the UFC trying to market her, and I do believe that they are pushing her in that direction. I saw a, quite a buzz around this young lady. Yeah. The fight y-
0: y- you know something I don't know what it is I, I couldn't explain it when I first saw Conor McGregor I- it's something to do with an aura but she's got that kind of presence she's got that sort of um, demeanour she's got that sort of kind of aura around her that makes me think she's going to be destined for something massive we're talking like a huge star in the making I think I
1: would you know what I saw? I, I think you're kind of right because what I saw was someone that kept their composure during a fight. Like her hands were mm. green. You're absolutely correct. You did see the right thing that she was um, far inferior to phrase striking. So what she did, yeah. what she did was adjust, and it took her a round or two to adjust. But she got the gr- the fight to where she needed to be, and that's fight IQ. Mm. That is being really, really smart in a fight and knowing what to do, and she did just that. And she was calm and collective even afterwards in the post-fight interview, even in her celebration. She was, to me, that was the, e- the most eerie part of her performance was how calm and cool collective someone at 20 years old was. Can you imagine when she develops her hands and, and has yeah. even more composure? She could be a problem.
0: Oh, 100%. Speaking of problems, Violent Bob Ross, mm-hmm. Luis Pena uh, took on um, Karma Worthy. Now, when you think about this, um, he was coming in. This is um, Violent Bob Ross, and he does look like Bob Ross, doesn't he? Eh?
1: <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dana White co-signing, and he came on. He could. Well, Dana White's very, very high on him. And I think MMA Twitter as well. I mean, I saw so many mentions of, yeah, can't wait for this fight. Uh, Violent Bob Ross. And all of this kind of like came to nothing because... Oh, damn. The the, the the fact of the matter is, um, I, I'm just going to call it as I mm-hmm. see it. I'm not impressed by Bob Ross. I'm, I'm really not impressed.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's had some exciting fights with some... Beautiful flying knees And he can be a lot of fun But as of lately He hasn't been mm. impressing the fans I believe even in his um, last fight Which was a win He did it in a um, a decision, and, f- decision yeah, yeah. and fans were turned off I still really like him And I just think he's still developing as a fighter It's just that he kind of got popular And people really like him So now that he's not winning in a f- way In which they like They're kind of turning on him But I think he's still got a lot of potential
0: I mean, don't get me wrong. <coughs> Excuse mm-hmm. me. Facts are facts. You know, it's the first time that he has been finished in his pro career. All his losses or his his, his um, two losses in the UFC have been by way of split decision. But I don't think a lot of people were giving... I mean, what a what a, what a name to come in with, Worthy. They weren't giving him his worth. Death Star, Karma, Worthy, um, undefeated since 2018, fifteen and six, and the majority of his wins have come by way of a finish of some way, shape, or form. And um, I'm just trying to think. I'm I'm looking through um, the kind of conversations on Twitter, and I can't see anybody who was high on him. Considering his caliber, considering where he's come from, considering what he's capable of, the Death Star, man, he, he people were sleeping on the Death Star. Well,
1: I can tell that's you that's never a good idea. I can tell you two people that weren't sleeping on him. Even though I picked oh, even yeah? though I picked Bob, I'm gonna admit that I had my eye on Karma Worthy and I tweeted that and so did uh Mr. Karos. So when ah. we talked to him on Wednesday, we're gonna have to discuss that with him. But yeah, we both were um I didn't pick him, but I was high up. I thought that, um Violent Bob Ross was gonna get him And plus I'm, I'm biased, I like him So I picked him, but um, I wasn't too surprised, you see Karma um, Worthy's UFC debut He lit his opponent Up in the first round no, I didn't see it, yes, I you gotta go it. back on your Fight pass and, and, and check that fight out It was unreal His um, UFC debut against Devontae Smith He came Mm. right out, blitzed him, and just dropped him, TKO. And like you said, Mike, people don't realize that this guy's on a seven-fight professional MMA win streak. And now he's on a two-fight win streak in the UFC. This is somebody that we got to start talking about. But I will say this. I did see some holes in his ground game, even though he won by submission. Mm. And it was just such an interesting fight because clearly... Worthy has the hands, and he was winning in that portion of the fight. He was outstriking um, Violent Bob Ross, and then Violent Bob Ross took him to the ground, and we then we saw that he was the superior grappler, and I think for some reason, he underestimated Worthy, and that's how he got caught up in that submission. He literally left his neck out, and, you know, Worthy was like, I know enough jujitsu. There's some holes in my game, but I know enough, and then he submitted him, and I was just like, is this the fucking Twilight Zone? I, I, yeah. I literally thought... Violent Bob Ross was laying out the blueprint for his win when we saw that he had a huge advantage on the ground. I literally was like, that's Mm -hmm. how he's going to win this fight. And then come to find out, no, that's how Karma Worthy wins the fight. He submits him. (laughs) Like, amazing. (laughs) Amazing.
0: Next up, speaking of (laughs) Karos, a man that he was high on, Sean Woodson versus Julian (laughs) Arosa. I laugh because... (laughs) <laughs> I really say to Kairos, this is your man's, right? right your come man. get your like, man, uh deal. well um no he's not my man's but yeah he he's he's real good. You, you gotta look out for him. So all week this guy's been playing on my mind, Sean Woodson, Sean Woodson, I, I purposely you know dug out the Wayne for it, just to see his demeanor and he looked cold, he looked like a killer from behind the mask. But man, going into this unbeaten and being praised so highly by Kairos. Um, that's a hell of a way to fall, considering, you know, the warning signs were there when you when you look at this. When you look at um, Erosa's record, twenty four and nine. Now, albeit mm-hmm. that you know a lot of people were high on Woodson, it's only seven and zero. Now unbeaten, yes, he looked slick uh, in, in the times when he, um, I think he was uh, Dana White's Tuesday night contenders, was not mm-hmm. it, That he was on. Yes, um, that's correct. I personally thought that you know he looked impressive in the opening stanzas but soon got found out i mean that's what you get in a wily vet like julian arosa 24 and 9 for a reason what did you think of him
1: um i was high up on woodson as well because i spent why because i've seen a couple of his fights i'm I'm intrigued i love i love the way he boxes he's exciting um Hmm. He's got 43 pro boxing fights, which is nuts, and it kind of shows the way that he feints, pivots, and his angles and, and whatnot. But he just needs a little bit more work in the MMA field, you know what I mean, like to put it all together. But he's exciting, yeah. man. And um, I just thought that when a man has his back against the wall like Julian Arosa who was on a three-fight losing skid, and took this fight on a late replacement type of deal, I believe it was a three-day notice fight, I think you're dealing Mm. with a different type of beast. His job is on the line here. He wants to stay in the UFC, he's gotta work for a living, and he could possibly be cut. And like you said, he's 23 and eight. You know what I mean? Like He's got the experience to do it, and that's what he did. He stayed in Woodson's face all night, He kept coming, and he won that fight, bro. And he choked him out beautifully. And not only Mm. that, he got dropped. I don't know if you remember this, but he got dropped hard by a left-hand counter, fell on the ground, put his back on the floor, and waved him on like, come on. Then he gets up, gets back in his face, (laughs) knees him, and stays in his face. That's a man that's not losing tonight. It doesn't matter who Mm. the opponent was, and that is why he won performance of the night. I saw some people griping about that, too. But I'm a believer that guy was going to lose his job and he came out and he kicked this kid's ass. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, before we get on um, to the co-main event, I think it's only right, I think it would be a, a bit miss of me, remiss of me uh, not to mention Maurice Green's submission of Jan Volante. Now, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, it was shocking. Absolutely surprising to me, considering that Jan um, Volante is a uh, Sierra Longo uh fight team uh member you know t- t- Matt Serra is a uh, not only a legend in in the sport I uh, remember you know this is a guy who kind of finished GSP but as well as that you know he's no slouch on 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 the mats and you know this is someone who Gian Valente has um has as his mentor as his tutor and um Someone who's nine and five, Morris Green, um, wasn't the person who I thought was actually going to make Gian Valente look so so ordinary.
1: Um, I I don't know why you said a real you said a lot of nice things about Gian Valente. I just I I know he's got great mentors and stuff, but I just don't think yeah. he's like a a really good fighter. Like I. I hate to say it, even though we've seen him in a lot of fights and some really fun fights, I could see him yeah. in the regional circuit as well. Still, you know, <laughs> you know, working <laughs> on his skills a bit. But I, um, I was just kind of happy this fight was over when Maurice kind of pulled it off. I, I wasn't too keen on this fight when it was announced, and I wasn't having too much fun watching it either. It was driving me crazy. Um, I just it just didn't interest me a whole lot, and the submission was nuts. It almost was like you know. Um, Gian fell asleep on him and then Maurice kind of just choked him <laughs> while he fell asleep on him. like yeah. I don't even yeah. what kind of choke was that was that technically a choke or did he literally just smother the man in his chest like what <laughs> what was it like I don't know
0: it, it, it looked like a, a modified um geez, you're right I mean w- what, what do you call yeah, what that what do you
1: call that because I don't I don't think it was what Olenek did, which is what like he he does a similar choke like that. I forget the name of it, um, but Olenek can do that. But technically, he does it well. I don't know if Maurice Green either smothered him or actually pulled off a submission and G- Gian just couldn't <laughs> breathe and he tapped out, or you know, like yeah. I don't know what happened. But I was just happy it was over, and we'll see what happens. I don't think uh, Gian gets cut. But um, we'll we'll see. And Morris Green gets to move on. And um, he had, like, a really emotional post-fight speech. And I think he was um, on... I think he might have um, been cut if he hadn't won. So it seemed like uh, this was a good win for him.
0: Mm. Speaking of good win, again, one of our teammates. Man, I can't wait until this video surfaces. Mike Perry versus Mickey Gall. The video I'm talking about in question um, was... Chisanga Malata, and I say his name, pause, (laughs) rewind. Chisanga Malata, our beloved Chisanga Malata, rolled with Mickey Gall, and I think that might have coloured his opinion of him. He rated him so highly that he had him down to beat Mike Perry, so much so that he bet all three of us 25 press-ups if Mickey Gall was defeated, and defeated he was in a one-sided, I think, domination, both on the feet... This, I have to say, was surprising to me. And on the ground, I mean, he took him down at will. He took Nicky um, Gould down at will, and Latori Gonzalez. <laughs> Can we just have a round of applause for Latori <laughs> Gonzalez? He was now one and zero in the UFC. I mean, really and yeah, you know, truly, as a coach, amazing. man, man, th- th- that was inspirational stuff between rounds. Loved the, you know, the the the, the soft babe. Are you OK? Whether <laughs> she was applying the ice. That was expertly done. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope we're going to have a li- little bit of a discussion about this now. <laughs> I really hope... And pause. I don't think you're going to laugh at this. I really hope that we continue to see Mike Platinum Perry, mm-hmm. or should I say Mike Racist Perry, <laughs> doing his thing. i tell you why. It's good that we have a platform in the UFC where people can be individual and be themselves. I would hate, for as much as I dislike his shtick, as much as I hate, you know, the constant references to nigger. I hate the fact that, you know, he is racist to the core. But I would hate the fact that he would paint himself out to be something other than what he has done of late. And that is, he's being himself.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think he's being 100% himself. But I wonder when the fans are going to grow tired of that because as soon as he goes back to losing or not really impressing the fans but also just relying on his weird behavior and self-promoting a little bit too much, they will grow tired of it. You can say that you're 2%, 8% black all you like and you can have some new weird girlfriend be you know in your corner and you can make a little story out of it. But UFC fans yeah. like winners. You know what I mean? And what happened last night, I didn't find it to be impressive, even though Mike Perry um, was dominant. I mean, the UFC gave him a fastball down the middle, and he ain't really do nothing with it, okay? (laughs) Because usually when the UFC gives a fighter a gimme fight, okay, those fighters shine. Do you remember when Valentina fought Priscilla Cacharera?
0: Yes. He begged
1: that referee to stop that fight. We begged for Mm, her life. mm, We were like, mercy, mm. mercy. Why? Because they gave Valentina a fastball down the middle. She devoured it, she threw it out the park. Do you understand? She did it again with Jessica I. These are called mismatches. These are called gimme fights. The UFC Mm -hmm. gave Mike Perry a gimme fight, and he didn't do a goddamn thing with it except beat this kid, struggle with beating this kid, get up and celebrate like he fucking won a Nobel Peace Prize, and then talked about (laughs) it with his weird-ass girlfriend that looks like she's in a cult and in love with a cult leader. It looks very strange, and then he continued to talk nonsense in the post-fight speech about his taxes and not really understanding how a W-2 is filled out and what happens when you do it, and... I find that we rely a little bit too much on the entertainment aspect of Mike Perry rather than the fact that he is a bit um, overrated and also he's a mess. He has no coach, he has no camp And he celebrated like he won a fucking Nobel Peace Prize And all you really did was show people that you can beat an average fighter without a camp Jesus Christ And you did it without even (laughs) doing it emphatically (laughs) I I just don't Bro, I'm good Like, (coughs) I hope you find a team, Mike, because you need it, bro
0: (laughs) Gee, you're undefeated no, I'm you just You destroyed him
1: No, I'm just tired ty- No, because I'm just kind of like I feel like Carol's last episode Like it's just This whole thing about Mike Perry is mm. just getting old to, to me and a lot of people because a lot of us watch this sport because we like violence and all that good stuff, but this guy, you got a fastball down the middle and you struggle, <laughs> and then you got up and celebrated. The shit is kind of weird. Yeah. When, I'm telling you, when that gimmicky, weird Twilight Zone shit stops, mm-hmm. like when he keeps doing that more than winning, the fans are going to cancel him. So he really needs to figure out this whole team shit. He can get away with it with this fight. But when the UFC keeps giving him fighters of his caliber are better that that having his girlfriend in the corner not gonna fly you know it's, it's not so he better get his stuff together
0: but you see he is textbook how you build a cult following how you build a brand how you actually build a character but more importantly people are tuning in to see him fail and also there are people tuning in to see him Mm -hmm. win so they're tuning in to see him do you see what I mean so he is ticking every single box on how you actually construct a character how you actually construct a following I think this guy is incredible and I think we aren't giving him the credit that he's due I'll tell you why I, for one, always complain when we hear vanilla or Manila and um, bland fighters go out there and they talk their talk. There's always something to talk about with Mike Perry, and it only it only kind of crossed my radar when I started to look at how head up I was being about, you know, his constant racial slurs, his constant um, ways in which he annoys us, and I thought, hold on a minute. But this is exactly why we love him. The fact is this. If he wasn't this character, he'd be another bland in the background fighter who we would never notice, who we would never root for, who we would never root against. you see what I mean? And that, I feel, I do, is I what's do. missing with most of these fighters out there. They don't know how to market themselves. Now, regardless how offensive it may be to some people... Um, It's offensive, I have to say, in some uh, shape to me. I do see the attraction and I want him to continue. If anything, I want him to ratchet it up.
1: No, yeah, I agree. He's got the entertainment portion, the self-promoting part down, packed in this really weird way, Mm. too. And it's great. Like, it's getting people talking about him. I'm just that voice of reason that's like, don't forget to win your fights. And don't forget to win some of them emphatically Mm. when the UFC gives you a fastball down the middle. And this just isn't about the fans. You think Dana's impressed? Has Dana made any comments about this yet? Do you know what I mean? Like, don't miss your shot, Mike Perry, by by being a weirdo. Win your fights and when you get a fastball down the middle, hit it out the park. Remember Tyson Fury? Even in boxing. Remember yeah. Tyson Fury yeah. fought a plumber from Sweden? Mm-hmm. Yes. And he did things that were fucking amazing that I had never seen before by that, a man of that size? That's hitting a fastball down the middle. Yes. Mike Perry didn't do that.
0: And you know something, you know, you talk about Dane and you talk about the fact that he's not made any comment. I bet you if he did make a comment, it would be exactly what you've said to me in the past about a certain fighter. He was supposed to win. That's what you were supposed to have done.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was supposed. Can you imagine Valentina not head kicking Jessica I. To another planet, yeah. Like it was a, it was a, it was a mis- Like we, we loved it. We were shocked. We were like, oh shit, that was dope. Mm. But we're not really surprised that happened, did we? You know? No, exactly. And I'm kind of surprised that Mike Perry struggled with Mickey Gall. <laughs> is my point.
0: You know, you know so, something. He,
1: I, I, yeah, I
0: like to differ. You know, I don't think he struggled with him, but he didn't dominate him. He, I, I think... He
1: didn't struggle...
0: He, When I mean struggle with him,
1: he struggled to look great against yes, Mickey Gall, yes. and that is nailed my it. trepidation. Yes. yes, I didn't articulate myself well enough.
0: No, you nailed yes. it. Considering I, he should yeah, have won, he, he didn't do it in such yes. a fashion where you think, you know what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you were supposed to have done that.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean when I bring up Valentina and Jessica. I... I I was thrilled she had kicked her to another planet. Yeah. I wasn't surprised because it was an obvious mismatch. And that's what I was at home like, when is the knockout punch coming? Why are they on the floor? When is he going <laughs> to punch him? When does he knock his teeth out? When does he elbow him? Like I was just like, enough with mm. this weird fight. Bring on Dustin. But he won. And you know I need to say some positive things, so let me think of some. <laughs> he won. <laughs> oh, wow. And that was nice.
0: Wow, that's the best you can do? In terms <laughs> this is of what happens
1: when you listen. Do you forget I'm a black woman that watches MMA? I'm supposed to like somebody that say the N-word, make fun of black lives matter? You think maybe I'm not biased at this moment? You think it's, I you think as a woman I don't think it's weird he's got some strange little girl running after him in a cult. Mm. Uh, mm, it kind of affects how you feel about somebody, but I will also say from a hardcore fan, I wasn't impressed that he struggled to knock out Mickey Gall of all people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Moving on to the main event, Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker. Now, I don't know. For me, I love the fight. I love the back and forth. I love the fact that, you know, we got to see, you know, Poirier basically at his finest. But all this hype that people have put out there in that, oh, it's Via the Year. It's the best thing I've seen all year. Come on, come on. Let's just pause right there. Wiley Zhang and Joanna chick is the fight of the year. Let's just not forget that. Let's just put that on every Bitch, single time.
1: Tell them, Mike. Every tell single them. time yes. when
0: you want to talk about fight of the year, let's not forget that because it seems like you guys have got a short memory. It seems like you have selective amnesia or you might be just being sexist because really and truly, this wasn't anywhere near and Ian J.J. and Wiley Zhang. It wasn't even a fraction of the technique, the caliber, the ferocious back and forth, and the fact that they were fighting for a belt. Come on now. Let's just give praise where it's due. Just oh, that's to circle a good point, back. Mike. Yeah. Just to circle back. I love the fight. I'm not taking anything away from the fight, but let's right. just acknowledge the fight from what it was. It was a good fight, a fight of the year contender behind Wiley Zhang and Yoani and J. Chick?
1: Well, uh, let's let's get my thoughts together here on this. Um, Do I think Dustin versus Dan Hooker was better than Wiley Zhang versus J.J.? Absolutely not. Boom. For a couple of reasons that you said, one of them being, and I just learned this from you, and thank you, Michael, it was a title fight. Like Mm. We forget that this was huge, huge so title fights are huge so that's one and also I just feel like I was a bit more on the edge of my seat with that fight a, a bit more there was more grotesque injuries yeah. it was just the build up mm. you know even Wellie Zhang we, we were doubting her but like kinda not because of Jessica Andrade but we still had questions and then she showed up and was like shut up and we died laughing it was just <laughs> so much fun um, but give props where props is due um, Michael, you almost kinda like disrespectful a little bit to Dustin P and Dan Hooker. Like this has Hall of Fame potential on what? it. Like this is Yeah, this is this is nuts. Well Zhang and them was better, but this fight was crazy. And round two was one of the best rounds I've seen in a uh, quite a while. The way Dan Hooker turned it up on Dustin and then Dustin would just catch him in the pocket, like, get off of me oh, and, and punch yeah. him. Oh my God. Like I think you are a bit. I agree with your sentiments about Wally Zhang, yeah. but you're being too harsh on Dustin P and Dan Hooker. That's that's my final thought.
0: Yeah, but 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I get where mm-hmm. you're coming from. Round two slugfest, mm-hmm. Rock'em Sock'em sock em, robots. But mm. but mm. Uh, would you say that was technical? Would you say that was precision? Would you say that was comparable to Wally Zhang and Yueni and Jaychick?
1: Yes, but Wally Zhang and JJ were just better. But yes, it was comparable. Mm. I get why people are comparing it. You didn't see the combinations Dan Hooker was landing on Dustin P. Yeah, and you talking to me about technical. Yeah, and you talking to me about technicalities. Mm. Did you see even Michael Bisping was like, "Holy shit! Why out of nowhere Dustin became like creative? What were these weird angled shots in the pocket? Like, bitch, get off me!" And doing it all, (laughs) even. Me and Michael Bisping at the same time, I was like, what is that? But it's effective. I saw all types of shit during that fight. And it put me on my ass, and I was shocked by it. And it made me respect Dan Hooker so much and made me fall back in love with Dustin P. But Welly Zhang and JJ had a better fight. Yes.
0: I do agree. Yes. And just to underline, you know, something which I said, it was a great fight. No, don't get me wrong. Oh, my God. It was wonderful. Yes. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. But behind Joanna Yoon Chick. And Wally Zhang. Yeah, no, I agree. It's Mm-mm. definitely behind, but
1: it had its fucking moments, man. Oh, For 100%. both fighters. And both of them had to go to the hospital in the same fashion like JJ and Wally Zhang. <laughs> I mean, they went to town, bro. But it was, it, you know what was similar mm. about it? Is that Dustin Poirier did what Wally Zhang did, which was to show up in the championship rounds yeah. and, st- and, and run away with it. And which was expected in Dustin Poirier? Why? Because he has that experience doing that, and that's why I thought Willie Zhang's performance was even crazy. Because it's like you—you you haven't even been champion that long, and you—and you and you're the one that came back in the fourth and fifth round yeah. to beat Joanna yeah. like that. Oh Lord, that is a huge. Big deal. But anyway, back to Dustin P and Dan Hooker, mm-hmm. same thing, Dustin, he stole those championship rounds. And and also, Dan Hooker, we need to also discuss the fact, Mike, that he starts off great, but this this kid gets tired, you know? like His output goes down, down, down a little bit, and he's still sharp, he's still very accurate, but he just cannot produce the same output as he does in rounds one and two. And it's something that he does kind of consistently. And Dustin's the opposite he kind of is he gets tired but he remains even till do you understand
0: yeah, but was it any wonder I mean those body shots that Dustin was reeling off it was like relentless That's what he does, baby. and yeah. I, I was trying to work out whether um, Hooker had a busted nose because it, it seemed like his mouth was wide open like he was trying to get as, as much oxygen in there as possible.
1: You know, someone on Twitter kept reminding me of that oh, area, right. Gina. I think his jaw is broken. Oh, he's there like was his just jaw. something okay. wrong with his mouth or nose. There was just something in that area, that something was wrong. And also, too, I couldn't hear the corner. Last night, I was like zooming and doing all types of stuff, but watching the fight last night, so I didn't hear corner footage. Yeah, and I asked Twitter folks, I was like, What's Dan saying in the corner? Is he discussing that injury to his face? And they were like, Nope. And I was like, Man, he's tough as dog. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's just gonna ignore it and keep going. He doesn't give a fuck that his jaw's broken and he can't feel it properly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. But we'll find out later. They'll post about, um, you know, injuries and whatnot. I'm sure both these guys are gonna be out oh, real 100%.
0: quick. Go Real quick, Mike, mm.
1: let's talk about the fact that Dan Hooker and those um, inner thigh kicks and those low calf Ooh. kicks was fucking up Dustin Poirier yep. in the first round. Yep. And, and it was stopping him from coming in mm. and it was allowing Dan Hooker to kind of clip him with that kick and then counter and hit him. It was beautiful, yeah. that game plan. Mm. No, I, it's too bad. He didn't have the energy to keep that up because it was really fucking with Dustin's range.
0: Oh, 100 percent. That was definitely hampering him. And, um, you know, he, he made some serious adjustments and adjustments to a level where, you know, he really dug deep. And in all honesty, I've not seen this. I don't think uh, I've seen this from Dustin before where he's made adjustments to that extent.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he fought like a champ. And I I try to remind people that on Twitter. It's just like, do not let that fight with Khabib fool you. Yeah. This kid is good. This kid is really, really good. He's tough, gritty, and he's got some really good boxing. Mm. And then on top of it, now my man is getting creative with these little punches that I saw in the pocket. Like, come on. he's He's really good. And let's say he doesn't. Get the title, unfortunately, because of Khabib or whatever reason. He's going to be the ultimate like gatekeeper. Like y'all not getting past him if he takes that title on.
0: Yeah, no, you know, like great. this
1: kid is, this kid is good. And the way he came out of the championship rounds, and he knew to turn it up. It it was it was a great, great fight. I get the comparison, Mike, but you are right. Welly Zhang was a better fight. Oh,
0: definitely. And we'll just pick up on something that you just said there. You're right. Mm-hmm. Creatively in the pocket, beautiful. I've never seen a standing hammer fist before. I'm not going to lie.
1: And it was short. It wasn't like he had the room to be like, oh, get, get from me. <laughs> it was like this short, like, bitch, you think you're going to hit me? Yeah. And, and then even Dan was caught off guard. He had to come up top from the little... um little hammered toe punches and come up top and hit him in the head mm-hmm. like what the hell is this it was they both made adjustments and then you know last week I said to, to you and myself I said you know Dustin's better all around in every facet of the game if he takes him on the ground Dustin is better but I did see Dan Hooker reverse him Yes, you know, I did yes. see Hooker hold his own on the ground. Mm. And and guess what? I have a whole new profound respect for Dan Hooker. He belongs at the top of that division with the rest of the killers like Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje. We can now put him up there.
0: I'm you surprised. I mean, when you look at the later rounds, that you know, he wasn't ripped on... Um, Twitter in terms of, it did look like, you know, he'd obviously taken his foot off the gas, it did look like the relentlessness was actually slowing down, and you could actually say, you know to a certain extent that he'd he'd quit I mean, you know his his talk of fighters being marshmallows could be levelled at him, in fairness Speaking of
1: marshmallows, Mm -hmm. this dude was like, oh, if y'all can't handle my opinion about marshmallows, maybe, you know, y'all need to, um, you know, think about yourselves and how soft you are, something of that nature. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, um... Paul Felder made a meme about your last name, and you fucking lost it. So, like, you have no reason to even talk to anybody yeah. about being sensitive. Mm. And then, you you know, you want to call us marshmallows. You sure took it down when 3,000 of us was like, that's not nice, and that's why no one likes you. You sure knew to took it down like a marshmallow, <laughs> though. But great fight, Dan, and I. you have my utmost respect. Okay. And I don't know. It's going to be hard now not to pick him. I just think this kid gets better and better wait till he can handle championship rounds wait till he figures out how to beat you in those rounds this guy's a killer
0: <laughs> <laughs> now down to the all important listener questions and and respect g i have to say listener questions are always always good with you around so first up oh. aaron jackson our man aaron jackson fighting or from the mm-hmm. fighting with what's myself up, g podcast. what's up mike This is Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. My
1: question this week is simple. Where should Mike Perry go to train? He said he's looking for a gym, but then also said he doesn't really like coaches telling him what to do. That seems to me a big fucking
0: problem. So who is the one coach that he will listen to, and uh, where is that? Peace.
1: You go first, Mike. let me ponder. Do you have a do you have one off the top or: It's really difficult: this over It's really yeah, difficult. That's a hard I, one. I'll
0: tell you why, why it's difficult. It's not because the lack of gyms out there. It's just Mike Perry's temperament. He doesn't listen, and that's why yesterday's setup was perfect for him, because he didn't have anybody to tell him what to do, even when he had coaches in his corner. Have you noticed this in his previous fights? He does what he wants. Yeah,
1: he. That. I I totally agree with you, and I also think that's reflective of his personal life. Look how he's living his life. Yeah, man. like <laughs> he's all over. He's. All over the place. Last night he admitted on national TV that he didn't understand taxes and how you get them done and mm. what happens when you get them done. So it doesn't really surprise me that he doesn't have a home yet, yet he's been fighting professionally in the UFC for quite a while. I wish we could send him over to Tristar. I just feel like Faraz, if he would just listen to Faraz, could do a lot with him.
0: But that's just it. You know? That that would be the worst place to tell, to send him. I'll tell you why. Because you need to listen to Faraz. He gives you no, precise instructions. And what he's telling you, is going to change the object or change the direction of the fight. If he could listen,
1: that's where I would send him for real, because that's like, you know, oh, Faraz is just such a... I don't know. I feel like his fighters are, they get calm. They get, you saw the transition with Kevin Lee. He waits now. Now Kevin Lee talks shit after the fight with Farah. You know what I'm saying? Now he stays focused, but after the fight, now he talks shit. GSP was calm, cool, man. You know what I mean? So if Mike Perry was to listen, I would send him over there. But Mike, if he doesn't listen, who the hell can coach him?
0: I would go for someone like John Kavanaugh again quiet in his demeanor very very softly spoken Mm. everything in terms of instruction is conversational and it's very very gentle and he has a very good way of coaxing i mean imagine if he can deal with a loose cannon like conor mcgregor in terms of in terms of um personality he can sure Mm -hmm. as hell deal with someone like mike perry so yes i'm going with john kavanagh
1: yeah, it sounds like we want Mike Perry to go someplace zen and calm. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like It sounds like he needs someone to quiet that demon in him so that he can just fucking listen. Yeah. And even though even though just now I just took a complete dump on him because I was completely honest, mm. I truly do want him to find a camp. This, this, The UFC and MMA is far too dangerous for you not to corner yourself and to just fight like this is someone's backyard. Yeah. I truly want him to develop his potential because he's got it. He hits hard. He's good. And then, like, when he has, like, some tutelage, he he, he does do well. He fought well against Luke when a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he has it in him, Mike. I, so and, and let's that's, hope someone gets it.
0: You're right. And, and that's just it. it. It's not just about the cornering. It's about the coaching when he's in the gym as well. Because one thing I would say about John Kavanagh, he's very, very straight down the line, and he's very very candid he'll tell you straight Mm -hmm. but there's no raising of the voice again it's very coaxing calm and candid and that's what I feel he needs he needs that in the gym as well as in the corner
1: and it seems like um Kavanaugh is capable of coaching someone that is like wild in the street like Connor but then can also be like (laughs) pay attention hone that in forget all that leave that at the door Mm. leave the groupies leave the women and just train and he and he seems to do well in that type of, with that type of athlete and that is mike perry i mean mike perry is running around vegas trying to catch corona he got some he got some new chick he got bloody knuckles for no reason he's posting himself being really weird he's got this new quaker haircut that you know he looks it's just <laughs> oh there's just there's just so much going on with him so he honestly needs a home and when he finds it he could be a beast Mike.
0: yeah nah you're spot on there mm-hmm. next up our man kairos
1: Oh, shit. (laughs) I'm not going
0: to tell y'all who this is, so hopefully you already know. Who do you think is the worst UFC commentator ever? I want a clear-cut answer. Don't tiptoe around nothing. I want to know the worst. (laughs) (laughs) You You go first. I love him.
1: Oh, yeah. I think Dominic Cruz is the worst commentator in the whole entire world. Like, he drives me crazy. It's like, sir, if you could leave your ego at the door, Mm -hmm. I know you may be little or beefing with other little men in the booth like Joe, but if you could leave your ego at the door and stop trying to predict what's going on and stop trying to one-up Joe Rogan, that would be great. Because there's nothing more frustrating than having a commentator like him who was so knowledgeable, just cannot just try to win an argument. On, you know, live on TV with Joe Rogan. It, it drove me, it drives me insane. Who's yours, Mike?
0: I'm gonna be really, really controversial and uh, probably this will ruffle a few feathers. Goldie. I was never a fan of Goldie. The only thing I liked about him was that one line coming up next. In terms of commentary, in terms of commentating, I don't think I didn't respect his knowledge I always deferred to Joe I always listened more to Joe than I did to Goldie he was never my favourite I could just slap your face <laughs> right now.
1: Like, I, yeah. you, I wish you could see my face Come right now. now. Yeah, like, I'm appalled. But I do agree with you. He didn't know shit. Yeah. That was, that was, <laughs> I loved him, though. He didn't know shit, but he was so much fun, and he worked well with Joe Rogan. Yeah. That whole, like, coming up next, and just, like, um, all those little sayings he had. and Virtually
0: and, identical.
1: Uh, yes I just it worked so well and I honestly I miss him I'd rather hear him than fucking Dominic Cruz um, talk about Jessica Andraj and, and Rose—that was like the worst and most distracting commentating <laughs> I've ever had. And I couldn't even concentrate on the fight. I was like, what "The hell is he talking about?" Yeah. Or, or my favorite is when he's like, "Oh, last ten seconds of the round, these guys are gonna go for it. They're gonna dig deep and they're gonna fight like animals." And then those t- two take a break because it's the last ten seconds of the round, and he has to be like, "Oh, oh, my bad." Like, you know. And you're just like, stop predicting what's gonna happen because you <laughs> used to be a fighter, like. Just commentate the fight, bro. Mm-hmm. You know? But no, um, I do love Goldie, so be careful what you say about <laughs> him, Warning you now. I'm a fan. Okay, <laughs>
0: finally, last but by no means least, Natrash. Hello G. Hey Michael. I'm recording this question right after uh we are. We just experienced a nice little interaction, G, on Twitter. I think you know what I'm talking about. So here's my question. If you get a chance to hire Francis Ngano to knock the living fuck out of just one of these fighters, which one would you choose? Options are John Fitch, Henzo Gracie, and Mike I didn't get the last this, one, but I, that's already answered. I
1: don't need to. I don't need to know the last one, and I'm going to cut you off and jump right into this. Hanzo he Gracie. is, <laughs> yes. No, this is what happens when your Twitter followers follow you and the damn podcast. They know just how to get a bitch started. But this is what this is what I'm going to tell you, Mike. Mm. We're just going to we're just going to get into this just a little bit okay. and then we're going to save this for Wednesday cuz I have so ah. much shit to say about this and I need men's opinion. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I need y'all to corral around me and we're going to break this down. Mm. Did you see the um Yes, my answer is Renzo Gracie. Did you see um what he said about that posting of Gina Serrano?
0: I did, but for those people listening who haven't um his abhorrent and misogynistic words i think that you need to recap them
1: oh yes sir please allow me to open my phone um for the for the folks listening she posted a beautiful photo of herself yes she is topless but it is tasteful and it's also, it also seems to be a professional photograph um, long story short there's a lot to say about this photo and it doesn't necessarily have to be sexualized and renzo mm. of course. Even though nobody asked him, he had something to say about it. And he told her to put some clothes on. You don't need it. You are among the most beautiful women I've ever seen that makes you unique. There's no need for sex pics. You are the most beautiful woman that walked around. Simpl- simples, not simple as that, but simples as that. Because this man is damn near illiterate and posting on social network shame. Um, <laughs> yeah. I I found his comment to be crazy misogyny. I mean, there's just so many things we want to break down, but I picked Renzo Gracie to be knocked out by Francis Zangano. That is my answer, and I cannot wait to break this down some more with you, Chisanga, and Kairos. I need a whole bunch of perspectives on this, because I'm ready to go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. Well... Just before we wrap up, are there any other points that you want to raise just before we bring the show to to a close? Yeah, I
1: just want to remind people that I'm really pissed off. And I got a lot to say about men that don't need to have opinions about shit that women do. And then make it about themselves and sexualize it. But we're going to get into that on Wednesday. And I really need y'all to tune in because I'm going to go in.
0: Amazing. Well, until Wednesday... Make some okay, trouble you, uh, <laughs> I sure will. I'll
1: play back the levels the way you said them. Say it on me. Bleed. <laughs>